You're listening to episode 26 with Wayne Miller, executive director of the Venture Center. Welcome everyone to The Multiplier Effect, an Endeavor NWA podcast. Keep up with the astounding pace of growth, sustain. We have to really look at how we provide optionality for our entrepreneurs. And having the ability to get next to a large corporation who has a relevant use for a product or service that they've developed can be enormously valuable. And we've really seen that very specifically with FIS, so obviously with the ICBA. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new episode of The Multiplier Effect. We're excited to continue our three-part mini-series as part of Season 2, discussing the power of corporate partnerships in our entrepreneurial support community. And this week, we're joined by Wayne Miller, the Executive Director of The Venture Center. The Venture Center's award-winning fintech accelerator programs speed the growth of early-stage companies and help facilitate their solutions for real-world problems fueling innovation in the financial services industry industries along with their corporate partners, FIS and ICBA, the Independent Community Bankers of America. Before joining the center in May 2017 as managing director of its fintech accelerator, Wayne was CEO of Innovative Technologies, a private equity-backed medical device manufacturer in Bishopville, Maryland. He has also worked with two startup technology companies in the healthcare and cybersecurity markets and has taught entrepreneurship as an adjunct professor at the University. University of Maryland. Other positions he has held include Director of Business Development for Proxycom in Reston, Virginia, National Director of Business Development for Deloitte in D.C., Director of National Accounts for Hill Row in Batesville, Indiana, and Marketing Manager for Kraft Foods. He has owned and operated a national multi-unit automotive franchise and the New Orleans Emporium, a restaurant in Washington, D.C. as well. He graduated from the University of Pittsburgh with a bachelor's degree in marketing. We're thrilled he could join us on the show today. So let's kick things off. Wayne, thanks so much for joining us on the show. I trust that you, your family, friends, everyone is healthy and safe. Jess, thanks. I am delighted to be a part of this and to be working next to you again here in this opportunity. This is awesome. Yeah, families are good. Hope yours as well. And thank God we're managing through and learning to embrace what is our new normal, right? Absolutely. So I actually had the privilege, as you just stated, of working with you at the Venture Center in Little Rock and know quite a bit about what brought you to Little Rock. But for our audience, to give our listeners a little bit of perspective into your background and why you joined the Venture Center. Share that with us and, and we'll go through your background. Sure, sure. So, you know, I guess sort of a serial entrepreneur is the way people uh, suggest at times. I'm not sure if that's for eating a lot of cereal or because I've done a lot of things, but, you know, grew up in Pittsburgh, went to the University of Pittsburgh, started my first company when I was in college, which was a little electronics company and kind of went from there, put a little money in my pocket. And of course, once you have a little money in your pocket, you want to do a lot of stuff. But the privilege that I've had, I think, has been to work not only with small organizations and building companies, about 12 that I've built, one that I've taken public, .com in 99, everybody knows that, how, how that one ended. But, you know, also that I've had a chance to work in some big organizations, specifically Kraft, Hill and Brand Industries, and also Deloitte for three and a half years. So I've always sort of felt that I've been able to bring kind of a 360 degree view of different types of businesses where it's enabled me to bring ideas from one industry or one, I, you know, one business to another. And, and that's been kind of fun. I have a son and a, and a grandson and a, and a daughter on, and we're very proud of that in Baltimore. And my wife and I enjoy Beach House in, in Bethany Beach, Delaware, where I am speaking to you 
from today in the middle of COVID. But to answer the other part of your question, what brought me to, to Little Rock? You know, really a number of things. I had never stepped in Arkansas in my life until this opportunity presented itself. And I've been in private equity for about three and a half years before coming to Venture Center. And it's interesting because the topic of your conversation today about the importance of corporates and startups and so forth, that is probably was the driver for me to come to Little Rock because I love what they were doing at the Venture Center from the standpoint of accelerating companies very specifically for a corporate partner. Yeah, we're featuring this three-part series of how corporate partnership programs in our region play this critical role in building a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Certainly, that's something that you have experienced at the Venture Center with your partnerships with FIS and even partnerships with ICBA. Talk to us about the importance of curating those corporate connection mentors with startups. How does this impact programs and services for founders and their teams? Yeah, you know, great, great question. You know, I think when you look at both sides of the equation, sort of from an entrepreneurial perspective as well as from the corporate perspective, entrepreneurs need a lot and, and corporations do too when it comes really to working with startups. Startups need channels, right? They, they, they need channels for knowledge. They need channels for revenue. They need channels for people. And there is that path that many of them can take, which is sort of knocking on one door at a time. And that can be a bit of a fool's errand. And having the ability to get next to a large corporation who has a relevant use for a product or service that they've developed or that they're trying to figure out can be enormously valuable. And we've really seen that very specifically with FIS as the largest fintech in the world. And also obviously with the ICBA representing most of the community banks in this country. And what I see there is the access that these large corporations give these folks to a number of things. One is the potential for some investment. If they have a strategic value, oftentimes, depending on where these companies are in their trajectory, there's a great opportunity for them to acquire some capital and potentially investment, which with corporate partners has a tendency to lead to acquisition. We've seen that happen time and time again. Secondly, they have a knowledge of the market because it's their business that a startup can take years to develop or understand. You know, One of the most valuable pieces that we see in the way we interact and the way we have the fintechs interact or the founders from these, these startups interact with these companies is this last iteration, even in a virtual situation with FIS that we just completed, 357 bankers came through the program to interact with these startups, right? And how do you put a value on an opportunity to get that sort of customer feedback in that small a period of time, which for this situation was about 15 weeks, we extended the program, where it's not a sales environment that we've tried to create, but rather an environment where there's a real exchange for the fintech, for the founders, and the customer in terms of the relevance of their solution and so forth. So to me, that's that's where the magic really happens in terms of what we do and the value to the fintechs. You know, you listen to some guys like Ted from Digital Onboarding and some folks who've been through the programming. And, you know, when the program's over, they say, gosh, I got to go back to work on Monday because you guys have been rolling them in here in the barrel. We've been able to shoot the fish pretty easily. And, and there, you know, there's some truth to that. But given the opportunity to meet with literally hundreds of bankers in that period of time on your own, just, just wouldn't be possible. So what we hope is that that genuinely accelerates how these companies can go to market and get an understanding of the market working with that corporate partner. Yeah. I would also be curious to know what your thoughts are on how this program is going to evolve post-COVID. Do you have plans you know if it's going to be all virtual? How does physical space impact the opportunity for authentic engagement with these bankers and startups? You know, I was actually just talking to a couple of people the other day in the entrepreneurial support organization call about this, but it's certainly top of mind for all of us connectors. Yeah, you know, um, you, you, you know, having worked together, you, you know, I was always, as I like to say, pretty prickly about having people on premise for this program. And, and there are reasons for that. One is that the state of Arkansas plays a role in helping to fund our program. So obviously we want to show people Arkansas and the great value of the state and, and the opportunities that exist there. You know, secondly is the bankers were coming to the venture center. So if you wanted to meet them, you certainly need to be there, right, to meet them. And then lastly, there's an enormous value to the sort of creative collisions that occur between the companies 
companies between the founders. You know, you, you've seen it and you've got somebody who's particularly good at marketing or somebody who's particularly good at development and they care about each other and they share and they make these lifelong relationships. And to me, I think it's one of the great values of the program. But I will tell you in the last uh, couple, three or four months since the FIS program has rolled out and was done entirely virtually, uh, I'm a changed man. So, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I say that because there were other things that we were able to accomplish at a scale that we would not have been able to do on the ground. If you think about those three things, two out of the three are very difficult for us to do. It's hard to show Arkansas, you know, to take people to Northwest Arkansas, to take them to Mount Magazine, to take them out for a little bit of catfish. And, you know, it just those things are not as easy to accomplish, obviously. And although we did try to engage with the AADC and kind of give them some understanding of that and share some of our own personal stories. On the other hand, this whole issue of, of them being able to be together, that we tried to do virtually by having happy hours once a week, that sort of thing, and bringing alumni in, et cetera. So we were able to expand their network, but they didn't get that. They didn't get that casual, hey, let's go grab a drink. Let's sit around and talk and kind of get to know each other type of thing. So that was a missing piece. When it came to the visitation, so if I compare it to where we engaged in previous programs, typically about 100 to 120 bankers. So roughly about 40 to 60 banks came through. This time, we I think it was 387 banks. So nearly 400 bankers touched this program. So almost 3x. And what we also saw was was organizations like Arvest. Historically, we've had about two and a half people per bank come, right? That average changed to seven and a half. And Arvest, who had the most people at, at an engagement, had 67 people participate. So they were able to get folks from all different areas within their institution to see how things were changing in the fintech world, how people were innovating, power of these companies, et cetera. So that's one big piece. And, and I think where that really leads, and, and I can talk about that, that aspect for a while, but what really leads to is there's a hybrid here, right? It's not going to be all on-prem. It's not going to be all virtually, but virtual. But and, and as we go to roll out ICBA, which we start in January, we're going to start it all virtually. Again, we, we are adding time to the program to do some things that we would typically do during the program to kind of get them short up and so forth. But I see a day where probably we're going to still do a lot of on-prem work, but maybe every Friday is a virtual day where the ICBA's membership or FIS's client base can have a hundred clients come and visit with a couple of the companies in a relevant area, et cetera. So some challenges, but you know, ultimately I think the program was was hugely successful. In fact, I'd say probably the most successful program we ran. And you know, I think COVID is causing us to to just rethink everything that we're doing. You know, it's it's like cream cheese on a bagel. It's just a schmear on everything, right? You can't <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing you do and no decision I make in leading an organization today where it doesn't affect me in some fashion. Yeah, of course. Sounds like that there was some tremendous exposure there from the bank perspective. And then also from alumni engagement, certainly there's plenty of opportunities in that realm because as we know, founders are always on the go. Um, so in support of our entrepreneurs, Venture Center, Endeavor, so many others that we're interviewing for this series, we're always assessing the gaps to fill to help companies scale and succeed in the heartland. And capital is obviously always top of mind, but there's different kinds, right? So of course we have the financial capital side of it. There's also the human and intellectual capital side of the point. What do you think we can be doing as a community to advance efforts through factors that sometimes aren't considered in entrepreneurial ecosystems? Systems, you know, example, talent retention initiatives. Sure. How do we do that? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer. You know, this is, you know, we need always do a start by asking our customers, right? I mean, it's sort of, you know, design thinking at its, at its, uh, at its most granular aspect, which is let's, why don't we talk to the entrepreneurs and see what it is that they need? And we've done a lot of that. In fact, you started an initiative and that we've continued as it related to our community in Little Rock with the audit that you did a couple of years ago and how important that was to help us really tune our programming there to support our market instead of thinking necessarily what we know 
know is best. You know, I, I think what a great example, uh, whether you like it or you don't, is what's occurred in Northwest Arkansas, you know, with the council and a $10,000 incentive to give people to move to Northwest Arkansas. That is not necessarily a new idea. We've certainly seen where folks in certain parts of the country or, or communities have said, hey, come here, we'll pay off your student debt. Come here, we'll help you buy a home, etc." So kind of the same vein. You know, part of it is just doing a great job of selling where we are. You know, I'm a big fan of Arkansas and I do believe it is the land of opportunity. I do think you know, that there is a clear demographics and you're, you're seeing it living in Northwest Arkansas where, you know, how do you beat the Ozarks? How do you beat the people that are there? It is a great place to be. So, you know, I think that that's part of what we need to do. I do think that the state needs to rethink the way it looks at incentives, for example. Historically, when we've tried to attract companies or businesses to our state, many states, you know, we're sort of looking at the smokestacks, right? And part of the reason is because they tend to come with the most jobs. And, you know, early stage companies, you're trying to minimize the size of your staff so you can maximize the value of what you've got in the bank and extend that runway to get things ramped up. But when you need people, you need them now, right? So it's, it's pretty immediate. I think we need to help people understand how to scale their businesses. We have good examples in the state of that. When you look at companies like Apogee and Movista, et cetera, that have done so well in raising capital, building their businesses and growing them. And let's remember, these are not, these are not companies that started yesterday. These are six and seven-year-old companies at this point. But how do we help them as a community? How do we get the resources and the knowledge that we have to help them scale and grow their companies more effectively? And also, the other thing too is, and I think you experienced this a little bit personally, is how do we get people to connect, right? I love the way you said it just a long time ago, is how do we help them find their tribes, right? So that they're, so not only is their, their work is usually taken care of, but what about the other things that they do? I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about one of the hospitals in the area and how they're losing people because their spouses can't find themselves in the community, right? So we have to look at the we have to look holistically at the people and what they do as they come into our communities and how do we help shore them up and give them the resources. And it's it's more than just going to church or, 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 or to Kiwanis, you know, it, it, and it's more than the school thing. It's got to be a way for people to connect. And, and the other thing, too, is we have to teach people how to build good businesses. If we do that, the rest of it will come. And part of that is helping them understand and be able to control culture. Because when you start a business, you have the capacity to manage the culture, particularly as a leader, right? Yeah. Something that's always of minded endeavor is cultivating diversity within the ecosystem. You know, in our first season of the podcast, we talked to dozens of investors and they all said diversity is profitable. You know, so what has your experience been in building this as a core value at the Venture Center through accelerator programs and, and also from a community perspective as well? I know that that's certainly something that is always top of mind in Little Rock too. It is, you know, so a couple of responses to that. You know, the first thing is, is that we've always thought that way. When the BLM movement and these things started to occur and so forth, you know, I, what I found a little bit challenging at times was suddenly people sort of found religion in terms of having to support these initiatives. And, and you know, it's the way we've always thought. We, 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 we think about that. We, we've always looked through that lens and, and, and we always will. It is part of our culture at the Venture Center and how we think. I, I think not only is it profitable, it's, it's essential. And the playing field fundamentally is simply not not level. Uh, you know, we, we look at fintech a lot, obviously. We also look in our own community. You know, I'm delighted when I see the current Spark cohort that is 100% people of color. I love the fact that 20 to 30% of our fintech cohorts have been women, which is an industry that is absolutely starving for more women founders as it relates to fintech. We, we do this consciously, but it's not, about, it's not about checking the boxes. This isn't affirmative action. This is about finding people who are building good businesses first, but also happen to 
to be of a gender or a color. And we want to make sure that those people get the same opportunities. And frankly, they're, they're not the same. I don't know, Jess, I don't know if there's a, I have a particular answer to this. It's the way we will behave. We try to be very conscious about it and conscientious about it, but there is a, there is a challenge there to find the balance. But mostly I think the biggest challenge is making sure that the resources are equal or better than for everyone who wants to try to do this as an entrepreneur. And that's tough. You know, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but what would you say are the most significant barriers to scaling a company in Arkansas? More specifically, Little Rock, maybe how can entrepreneurial support organizations help to shift this in a positive direction as we advance? You kind of spoke to that with, you know, Aptigee obviously has seen tremendous success, but how do we encourage others? One of the things we can never forget, and I try not to, is, and I'm, I'm you know, talk about my own experience a little bit in Arkansas, but the, the DNA of the state's remarkable. I mean, you're talking about a guy who started with a Ben Franklin store who's built the, the, Fortune 100, the Fortune number one company, right? And you know, I, I remember coming to Arkansas and, and having experienced Walmart and other markets and didn't really understand. It wasn't a place that, that we went. And I remember going through the five and 10, you know, in, in Bentonville and reading Sam's words on the wall and saying to myself, oh my God, this guy was like the, one of the greatest entrepreneurs ever. And you look at how Tyson and also J.B. Hunt and kind of where they came from. We have this remarkable DNA. We have Axiom, right? Which came from Charles Morgan and, and Stevens, you know, the second largest. I mean, these are not small things. These are huge things that started, started small and grew very big. I would love to see us be able to get some of that energy from those companies and the leaders of those companies more actively involved at the entrepreneurial level, really down at the grassroots level. I think that would just be awesome. The other thing too, is that I think we need to I think we need to talk about failure more, right? We, we want to talk about success a lot, but we also have to talk about failure more. The other thing too, is, you know, you and I know very recently, we've, we've seen some challenges as it relates to people and mental health. You know, being a founder of a startup is hard and there are huge highs and huge lows and you know you're you're typically right at the uh, tip of the sword all by yourself and there's not a lot of folks to talk to you know i think finding ways to get the community more engaged from a mentorship perspective taking those experiences getting those people involved i think it could be really helpful to helping us overcome some of those challenges yeah absolutely so many insights we're going to switch over to our endeavor segments the first of which is heartland loves so as part of our first segment we want to highlight our sponsor for the season northwest arkansas council they aim to ensure our region's successful future by working um, with partners to advance our quality of life, improve the region's workforce, create job opportunities, and keep up with the region's impressive growth. Uh, There are so many things to love about the Heartland. So we're asking each guest on our show, what do you love most about living in the Heartland? I'm I'm a Northeast kid, right? And I will tell you that it has been um, amazing to me. And, you know, I have to to say that the two things that I love most about living in the Heartland are the people and the environment. You know, we're not this nice to people in the Northeast, right? (laughs) I mean, really, really, people are so nice here and and they care. But the other thing too, from a business perspective is they really like to get things done. You know, and it is that one degree or two degrees of separation where we really can get things done here because we have that access. And it's unlike any place I've certainly ever been. And, you know, I like to ride my motorcycle on the weekends and go up through the Ozarks and stuff like that and go camping with my buddies on our adventure bikes. And it's just awesome. And I'm just always amazed around every turn is another beautiful waterfall or a bear or something terrific. But uh, I love it. It's it's, it's a beautiful place. And, and it's... Uh, you get hooked once you're there. You know, you really do. You really get hooked. The founder of Endeavor, Linda Rotenberg, she's always said, call me crazy, crazy is a compliment. So we like to ask each guest on our show, what has been your call me crazy moment? Man, coming to Arkansas, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, I, I, I remember talking to, to, to my wife about, you know, so when I got done with uh, private equity, I brought some companies together and kind of put myself out of a job, which was okay at the time and trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And, and I remember saying to her, 
I, I think we're going to go to Arkansas. <laughs> I remember the look that she gave me like, what? And then a friend of my other friend of mine said, Hey, did, what did you lose a bet? And people just don't know what we have in Arkansas. And there's still a lot of people who think I'm crazy, but you know what? Come down. Let me show you. Cause it's, it's a special place. Yeah, for sure. And lastly, something quick and digestible for our listeners. Uh, what time do you wake up and what is bedtime? Uh, I'm an early guy. I started delivering newspapers when I was a kid. So I'm up at five and bedtime is usually 10. Good for you. That's awesome. This is just never going to be me. I wish I could be more of a morning person. I'm going to be a night owl. I'll be burning the midnight oil forever. It's just, it's, it's the way it goes. We all find our, 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 our what is it? The, the, the kind of our beat as it comes to that. Yes, right? the beat. <laughs> we all have a beat. Um, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm, I'm falling in love with a guy by the name of John Meacham right now. And I'm actually reading uh, the soul of America. I, this guy said something that really got my attention, which is difference is the oxygen of democracy. And I didn't, I, I knew uh, who he was, but so I just starting to read his first book and, and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed actually. He's, he's a remarkable historian. I have not read that, but I've heard about it. I'll have to get a copy because you are not the first person to say that. Um, yeah, profound stuff though, for sure. Yeah. Name one new habit you've developed in a post-quarantine world. Um, as long as we don't talk about personal hygiene, right? Because because you know, <laughs> everybody I know showers once a week now. I, I still have not gone to that habit. Uh, I would say that the real habit that I've developed, which I think has been I think is important for people to know. So we do have a team call every morning for 30 minutes. And one of the great challenges of COVID has been sustaining culture uh, in a virtual world. You know, we've, we've onboarded a, a, a strategic partner, this guy, Jacob Bauer, and, you know, none of us have ever met Jacob physically. And yet he's been with us now for six months and living in New York. And it, it is, it is a challenge. So that's been a habit that I think has served us very well. Is there anything else I should have asked, but didn't, you know, one of the things you, you, you can't not share with people who, if they want to know anything about Arkansas, is, is, is barbecue, because it's the best in the world. And so I, I got to put a pitch in here for, and I don't know if you, have you been to Jones's in Mariana yet? No, I have not. You got to go. So, so a couple things about it. One is it may be recognized as the oldest black restaurant in the country. It was found in 1910. And secondly, it is the only James Beard award-winning restaurant in the state of Arkansas. And let me tell you, it's hardly, hardly a, a, a restaurant. It is a smokehouse. You get two slices of white bread, some slaw, and the best barbecue you've ever had in your life. And if you ever have a chance to get there, make a point. It's really something special. So that's my that's my plug for uh, for Jones's. Oh, I love that. Awesome. I'll have to definitely check that out. I can't believe I've never been there or even heard about this. This is crazy. Well, you know, uh, Rex Nelson, as you know, who writes for the Dem Guys, is, yeah. uh, he's, you know, he's pretty good on the food piece. So we actually did a food tour with him and he took us to about a half a dozen places with, with tamales and, and Murphy's Catfish, which is supposedly the best in the South. And, and, and believe me, you go with Rex, there's not a moment that disappoints. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. This has truly been a pleasure. I always love getting to chat with you. You guys are doing incredible things at the Venture Center through your accelerator programs. I can't wait to hear how these programs evolve and kind of shift in this new COVID environment. It sounds like that you guys are going to have a lot of scalability opportunities through the program. So we'll be sure to include information about the programs on our website so that anybody that wants more information on how they can engage with these programs, whether they be banks or founders of various startups in the area and beyond, we'll be sure to have that information for them. Good deal. Well, Jess, thanks for having me. And and thank you for your contribution to the Venture Center. You know, you helped us evolve and you certainly served a great purpose while you were with us. And we appreciate uh, helping us grow. We're we're moving into our seventh year now and continue to try to serve our community. And I know today was a lot about the fintech piece, but we're there for everyone. And, you know, Ashley's uh, done a great job of building our community programming and continues to do that. And we really want to give people a chance and a place to start when they, from an ideation stage. The other thing too is we're grateful to Endeavor and 
startup junkie and conductor and Innovate Arkansas. I love how we just continue to collaborate more and more. And ultimately, uh, that's going to make a big difference for entrepreneurs in our state, statewide. Could not agree more. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Special thanks to Wayne for joining us on the show. For more information about the Venture Center, you can head to their website at adventurecenter.co and be sure to follow us on the social platform of your choice for more information on upcoming episodes in the next few weeks. See you next week.